The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a Chief Compliance Officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Ryan Robillet has over two decades of legal and compliance experience in the oil and gas sector, including being a vice president and chief compliance officer serve for two different public companies with global operations. He has a history of providing practical solutions to the business and managing overall corporate and regulatory compliance programs. His compliance experience includes a focus on anti-bribery, anti-corruption compliance, sanctions, trade control, U.S. anti-boycott, reporting to senior management and the boards of directors. In this four-part series, we look at, in episode one, Ryan's career path. Was it a roadmap or was he simply along for the ride? Episode two, the problem of transparency in the black box for compliance. Episode three, the skill sets needed for the CCO chair. And episode four, the culture of a company and the role of a CCO in fostering that culture. It's a fascinating exploration of a person who's been in compliance literally uh, since the start of this century. And I know you will find it fascinating, interesting, and very enjoyable. Thanks for joining me. And I hope you'll stay with us for the entire four-part podcast series. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again for another episode of The Compliance Life with Ryan Rabelais. And this episode, we're going to take a look at transparency in the black box perception of the compliance function. So, Ryan, first of all, uh, welcome back. Glad to be here, Tom. Thank you. Ryan, you and I have both been in this uh, profession for uh, over 15 years now, and I think we have both seen the evolution of the perception of the compliance function. In many ways, when when you started and later, a little bit later when I started, uh, we were seen as Dr. No from the land of no. Uh, it, we were called the uh, Department of Business Denier. Uh, many times we did have to say no when we both started. The companies we were working for were under FCPA scrutiny, either investigations or enforcement actions. So uh, we did have to say no. Um, and now I think we're seen uh, or perceived, I hope, as uh, business enablers and business partners. And I was wondering, in terms of your journey, how have you worked uh, or how have you been able to, to see that change in that perception over the years? Sure. Um, yeah, the, the perception is, uh, you know, ironic if you think about it. I mean, the compliance department or in some companies, the ethics and compliance department is usually the one that's championing the uh, the concept of transparency. Let's be transparent, guys. Shed some light on this, you know. And then when it comes to the perception of the compliance department itself, and on many things, particularly internal investigations of employees or company actions, um, there's there's not much transparency at all. And and some of that is is just the, a necessity, and that's the way it needs to be. Um, but it, but the 
employees don't necessarily get all those details. And so there's just this perception of, well, you know, the, the compliance department just sticks everything in a black box where we can't see it. So, and so I think that translates to, they have a fear of the unknown, um, which is human nature. So they don't, they don't know what the compliance department necessarily does. They don't, they don't understand the rationale, et cetera. And then sure, if there's a no decision coming out of the compliance department, that just makes it um, even less likable um, because they don't understand, you know, what's behind it. So um, in an effort to improve that for, for the sake of the compliance department and, and just working with your fellow colleagues day to day is um, some of the things I've seen that, that certainly help and, and just kind of evolving over time is, is one, um, just personally, certainly as chief compliance officer, it's the easiest is, is share everything you can with with uh, you know your fellow colleagues at work, and I don't mean compliance, just within the company. Share everything you can, and then when you can't share, the trust is there um, that you've established with them, and so they would say, "Hey, look, if they can share it, they would." But since they're not sharing it, you know, I trust them because look, they they always share what they can. Um, again, internal investigations are probably the most sensitive. Obviously, I mean, you've got everything from you know. Uh, individual privacy laws, particularly on a, in a global sense, et cetera. But I've worked for companies where the CEO has, has asked me, how much can we advertise that these, you know, three employees basically defrauded the company of X amount of money? I, I, I want to, you know, parade that around. And so we've discussed it in, in, in at least in a few instances, that CEO on his, um, calls that he would have company-wide with probably a couple hundred people. I had some talking points for him where he at least spoke about it, if not a few slides and whether you named individuals or not, you know, that varies, but um, some of it matters on the, on the company's approach. But I think I, I would, I would guess that any compliance department out there can share more than they probably are. If you really think about it um, and be deliberate about it. And it's, I think of it as kind of an easy win in many, many places, um, whether it's due diligence files on agents or, or anything else. Um, the other thing it does is it, in my opinion, it gets buy-in from others on the decision of, you know, hey, this, these red flags, these are really, these are really red. And so as a company, if we're going to move forward and, you know, use this agent or go forward with this business deal, um, I think the last thing you want to do is stick that in a black box. You want to get that um, in front of the right level decision makers all day long. So it's a it's a decision by all to move forward. So everybody has skin in the game. Um, so sharing everything you can, I guess, is the, the theme on that one. And then. Related to that, I'd say the other thing that, that I've seen helpful, Tom, is in one sense, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to look good here in this space because, again, uh, the people's perception of compliance is, is, is probably not the best. It may be okay. And even if you're working at a company that I'd say has evolved over time and compliance is, is really part of the business decision-making process, that's great. But what I've always found is you've got employees uh, arriving at your company 
that have spent time at other companies, obviously, and they bring with them their perception of the compliance department. Um, that's just kind of what they do. They automatically assume the compliance department is there to do X, Y, and Z and, and not A, B, and C, and that may be totally off base. And so even if you work at a company where you think it's great, just don't forget you've got new employees coming in all the time. And so um, I think the more time you can take to share things with them, be deliberate, to really clarify what your department does and what what they don't do um, is is uh, is very helpful to that task. That, that's certainly two things I've seen. Ryan, one of the key things I found in the uh, management of third party relationships or the life cycle of third party re- relationships is the business justification. Uh, I and others say that your third-party management starts with that, and that's something filled out by the business unit on why they want this third party to do business with your company. Are, uh, do, how do you use that, and do you see that as a way to really engage the business unit to help them understand not only the importance of compliance, but how by having that rigor around the process actually improves business efficiency? Um, yes, that, I mean, business justification is obviously absolutely important, particularly on commission-based agents, I I would say. Um, But it definitely helps the process. And what I've seen, what I've seen in in some companies is if you work it correctly with the business guys, it's almost a sense of pride where the sales guys, the marketing guys, whatever they're called in your company is they obviously want to bet on that horse, so to speak. And internally, I've found that they've probably already got written up somewhere about why it's so great to use this agent. And you're just really asking them to um, share with you um, why they love that one and not a different one. And they've probably already sold that to their boss or the approvers that be to use the agent for, for kind of just straight commercial reasons. And then I explained to them, it's just important to document um, that for, you know, for the due diligence file. And they, they usually seem to get it. Um, I also try to express, hey, this is this is our agent. It's certainly not my agent, the compliance department. It's it's I'm not saying I, I'm, I'm not involved, but I don't think I own it. And then, hey, truth be told, business guy that, who is choosing this one on the company's behalf. Um, it's probably more your agent than anybody else's at the company. And so they, and then I explained to them, hey, this is going in the file with, you know, your name next to it. And if there, what I always say is this whole thing blows up one day, um, your name is going to be top of the list to start discussions about um, what went wrong here. And sure, my name's in this file too, but, you know, it's not the compliance guy 99% of the time that's part of the problem. And so, you know, let's just make sure we know what we're doing and get the story straight. Um, But in that prideful sense, I've seen those business guys, I've seen those business justifications get to the to the length of, you know, multiple, multiple pages with maps of the country and, you know, historical explanations, you know, the colonialism in the country going back hundreds of years. And then, you know, how the country's evolved and what that means for our business. I mean, it looks like a. you know, a National Geographic type file on it by the end of the day. And, and that's a sense of pride 
um, but it takes some time to get there. Um, just a quick point on that. I've always found if I show them an example of what we're looking for, it's very helpful. <clears throat> and in some cases, I'll literally help them write it. And I don't mean that in a bad way, obviously, just they don't, some of them are, are not, you know, the best writers in the world and they may want some help. Um, but if they can see an example where you can help them just uh, with, with the task itself, that seems to go over to go over well. And then if they see examples, it's almost a competition between them and some of the other business guys. But um, that is the one tie into the due diligence file where I think the business guys, you know, they play into that part more than others as they should. Ron, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I hope our listeners will join us for our next episode where we take up some of the key skill sets of a CCO. Ryan, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you will join me again next week where I take up another episode with Ryan Robillet in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.